This is Off the Break Podcast, presented by Silver Screen Insider. Welcome to the Off the Break Podcast, your podcast dedicated to current movie theater news, operations, and insights from the people that book the movies. I'm Ken, and with me as always are Cody and Kyle. Hello. How you are- nailed it this week. Good job. <laughs> how, are you, how are you guys doing walking into the dog days of fall? <laughs> Any... Anything that's got your tail wagging? <laughs> Ken, are these possible hints to a news item that we're about to bring up for the week? Possibly. <laughs> it's a pun day, people. It is. It's a Friday pun day. Be prepared for a rough landing, guys. <laughs> so what's with all the dog puns? What do we have to talk about? Well, release schedule changes, Kyle. Yeah. These are all good oh, ones. God. All good things. Good ones? Good ones. Okay. Um, this isn't, we're moving stu- any dates back because of COVID. This, these are all, hey, things are actually doing really good. Why don't we take this film that was off the release schedule and put it on there? Holy cow. Shang- yeah. Shang-Chi did well being only released in theaters. Oh, <laughs> Paw Patrol did well, surprisingly. I guess the, all those COVID um, restrictions that we were worried about with vaccinations didn't come to fruition. Huh. Looks that way. So what do we got? Crazy. So we got Clifford, the big red dog from Paramount. It's going day and day with Paramount Plus on November 10th, which is a Wednesday. So uh, kind of a random Wednesday opening. I know it's before Veterans Day, but I don't really associate Clifford with like, hey, when we're celebrating Veterans Day, let's go to the movie. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, I don't know. That one doesn't quite make sense but, either. But... but what they did do... And I know they'll say it was for Veterans Day, but they perfectly made a two-week minimum into the um, new film's opening on Thursday before, or on, yeah, Thursday for Thanksgiving. Yeah, the day before Thanksgiving. The day before Thanksgiving. So you can play Clifford two weeks into something like Encanto. Give give them their standard two-week minimum for new releases, and then Encanto, uh, Raccoon City. (laughs) Yeah, the Resident oh, Evil. Oh, Resident yeah. Evil, Raccoon and, City, yeah. Uh, Raccoon City is a House better title of, just by itself. Exactly. <laughs> House of Gucci, I think, also opens early that week. Yeah. So those, yeah. I think those are the three that open yep. um, right before Thanksgiving. Yep. So that's are, a good spot. Are they doing yeah. that um, two-week minimum thing? Are they being more loose with it because of oh, no, it's uh, all, dates? Always two-week minimum. Yep. With, wide rele- oh, okay. with any yeah. wide release, it's just the standard. Yep. Gotcha. Boilerplate. Always, if you always. want to open my movie, it's okay. it's two weeks. Yeah, unless you're a film company, I don't want to name, and then it's like, oh, four or five weeks off the break, you still want to open my movie? Two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks for you. What month are you later, talking about? <laughs> a month later, two weeks. All right, you said you had good news. It oh. usually means plural. So yeah, so um, also we found out that the new Fantastic Beast movie is moving up, so they must have a lot of, you know, um, like, confidence. Yeah, thank you, Kyle. <laughs> in it, uh, it's the end of the week. I just want to be done. <laughs> <laughs> Let's fly through the puns and get out done. of here. <laughs> yeah, um, it moved up from July of 2022 to April, so an early summer. But the big announcement oh, is—I God, I don't want to talk about this. But come on, it's exciting. Uh, we have been so lucky with all of the sequel and prequel titles like they've all been excellent oh yeah they're they're fun let there well, be carnage that one was really good jurassic world dominion yeah that one's okay that yeah. one's great it's that's, hardcore that's really <laughs> yeah. good it that's, is hardcore yeah so this one it's 
freaking Harry Potter franchise. Like they didn't have a book for this, right? So this is just theater. This is movie screenplay only. So they've obviously got very talented writers writing the film, titling the film. Well, they're, yeah, we'll debate the talent of the screenplay writer in a minute. <laughs> well, there's a lot of money behind it is yeah. what I'm saying. So yeah. oh, obviously yeah. the title is going to sell most of the people going to this movie. So it's obviously something to do. There's the word magic is in there or something right. that's going to... Well, it's a... Nudity. It, <laughs> it's a continuation of the Fantastic Beast saga. And the official title that came out for this third entry in this saga is... Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. <gasps> Who cares? Yeah. So, <laughs> so it is about nudity. Nice. <laughs> Dumbledore. <laughs> um, so Kyle and I both had the same reaction. In fact, his little note on my sheet is like dumb. It's just it's just a dumb title. I don't even know. I, that's my one and only reaction I've had to it. I've let it sit for 24 hours. I still think it's a dumb title. It just... This this title needed to come at a time, and we're probably reading too much into this, but it, it needed to come at a time where, you know, Harry Potter fans and the Fantastic Beasts franchise really need an uplift. You know, it, yeah, the second movie was not well received. J.K. So Rowling bad. lately has been hated on by her own fans. The Johnny Depp fiasco of them having to replace him with Mads Mikkelsen was a wrench in their cog. Although Mads Mikkelsen will be great in this movie. Um, you know, a title at least gets the enthusiasm back up, especially for yeah. something as big as the Harry Potter franchise. But this, the secrets of Dumbledore, it's like, uh, who cares? Like what possible secrets right. could there be? There's you no know? secrets. What could he be hiding? There's no secrets that we care about for Dumbledore at this point that haven't already been exposed yeah. in various forms and throughout any of the series so yeah. far. Books, even yeah. the last Fantastic Beasts movie. A reveal was made that wasn't shocking. I so. feel like they had to add the name Dumbledore in it just to remind everybody this is in the Harry Potter universe. Or, or, or yeah, I mean, I think you're pretty much spot on with that. But then, clearly, it didn't work. I mean, I didn't feel any sort of gauge of the needle of swinging to the opposite side of people actually looking forward to this. I and, feel like J.K. Rowling, by having made or written the screenplays screwed up the story it should first of all this series should never be five movies deep like going into it (laughs) knowing that your story can't be told in three movies or less is is ridiculous especially when there's no good source material that people can read to get them from movie to movie to movie so that was a dumb plan to begin with and then but you're like okay well she's so good with harry potter maybe we can see you know maybe they'll film it in a way that leaves you just cliffhanger on each one Mm -hmm. But the second movie was so bad and took such a turn and such randomness that I don't care about any of the characters anymore. And there's no, it's called Fantastic Beasts, but there were like no beasts in the second one. Yeah, they kind of missed the point of the initial premise of Fantastic Beasts and have gone so far down the rabbit hole of convoluted uh, nonsense with like, you know, the world building of and the relationships that aren't there to begin with. It's... It already feels like a mess upon arrival. Um, yeah. If you want to hear more of our thoughts with how much we hate this franchise, there's an episode or two, <laughs> like many years ago at this point. You have to go deep down the rabbit hole of... Do a deep dive of, on Off the Break podcast. Yeah, of Cody, myself, and Eric oh. just explaining like why the second Fantastic Beast and that franchise in general is just bad. Um, 
Oh, I mean, but it is theatrical only by the looks of things. So, hey, that's great. People will go out and see it. it's got something going for it. Yeah, there will be curiosity about it to see if it redeems itself. Are there but... any other casting changes besides Mad Mickelson? No, that's Bre- the only one. Grindenwald. Everybody yeah. else is returning. Yep, everyone should be back. I mean, everybody else was very well casted in that. Yeah, the acting's not bad. The acting's it's, not bad at all. It's just a convoluted mess of a script. <laughs> so bad. It just, it and just, it feels like it doesn't matter. It needed in this time, knowing that it was such a mess, she needed to do some world building and put out some books or, you know, something more on social media, like on her Pottermore site so to give these stories some more depth to keep people like synced into it a little bit more. Well, right now she is, she is not on the good yeah. side of her Maybe fans right now and i don't think that's tweeting gonna be nonsense and start yeah. getting back to world building and writing and kind of doubling down on what she's better at because she's ruining this franchise right now yeah. i really feel this it all centers around the writing and the storytelling because we have great production value we have great acting why don't why are these not working and it all comes down to just a terrible story yeah writing for books and writing for screenplays are different feats so so, take such different talents and it doesn't take anything away from her talent to say maybe i can't do the screenplay and to bring somebody else in that that could i'll just take my creator and producing credit and buy another castle yeah yeah Yeah. it's okay jk well we get it they all she did was it, what in, it was mar her stellar reputation by taking a shot at something and then continuing well, to do it. Yeah, all it yeah. takes is being comfortable enough in your own skin to let a project go to someone else. Yeah, just Where's like just like Clint that? Eastwood has done and not made three movies in his nineties. <laughs> well, <laughs> just handing well, it over to oh, somebody else. We're gonna else. get to Clint in a second. <laughs> oh boy, what could that possibly mean? Handing the reins over. <laughs> Like cold dead hands is his motto. Well, yeah. He's the Charlton Heston of Western movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, those are the only changes really good. I mean, it just shows a lot of confidence in the box, in the box office and movie going in general that Paramount put out Clifford and Warner brothers is moving up fantastic beasts. Um, you know, to April. So that'd be nice. It's a little bit of a weird release date. Um, Mostly I think of Harry Potter with like Halloween or Christmas. And I think they've usually scheduled, or I guess like middle of summer too, they've done it. But I mean, Hey, it's coming up closer. Um, We could use a good title at the start of 2022 like this. So yeah. All right. So that leaves us to some booking strategies right now. um, Sean Chi is outgrossed black widow. Yeah. So that's, that's really awesome. It just shows the power of theatrical exclusivity, and that's what we all want. I Ex- would say so. Exclusivity. Yep. <laughs> um, but I don't want that studio to get too high on the horse here because... Too big for your britches. Yeah, because they <laughs> wanted to remind us that they're still in the in the game and to you know not come off their movie to open Venom or... Um, James Bond and it's like and it's like the same conversation I've been having with lots of studios it's all going to be gross driven but I'm not going to tell the theater sorry we can't open extra screens of the film that people actually want to go to because the other studio is trying to hold the reins on something that's been the market for six seven weeks I mean it's amazing it, it can be in the market at that time for that launch in 
in this kind of new pandemic world that we have, this post pandemic, you know, box office reality that we have, but just the fighting for, you know, the screen time and stuff is, is crazy. And the theater is just being caught in the middle and it's none of it is helping the theater at all. And, and that's what's none so of frustrating. It is tied to any sort of reality. No, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> or real yeah. objective, like numbers. Yeah. No, I mean, or we, policies. Used to, we used to have fights about, four digit totals staying yeah. on screen and now it's i mean we've had fights over grosses less than three hundred dollars yeah. for a weekend when they're like days. i'm number one in the complex i'm like it's less than two hundred dollars is it okay <laughs> to let this go <laughs> yeah what are you getting from this we do better selling hot dogs by throwing them at cars driving by <laughs> yeah. than playing your movie next week it's just and I, I know it's not it's all the studios right now are making that it. yeah. it's not just one in particular it's just frustrating to have to even have these conversations and especially have them over films that are have been in the in the market and and have them been in the market for so long and then and so far off the break wanting two and three week commitments like wanting that stuff it's just absurd that was that's never been how we did business. You you make a minimum week requirement, and the, your thought going into that is that the studio is comfortable with you playing the movie for this minimum week requirement. If they wanted more weeks, they should make the requirement more. But the real, but the reality is they make it a certain amount, and it's usually been two weeks. But now they sit. Now they're saying, well, we want to pull dates, or we not want to play you because you're not going. You're going to take us off screen after two weeks. Well, you should be very happy to have gotten the two weeks and that's that's what's just infuriating and coming out this next week and it just show it just goes to all the upheaval that we're having in our industry right now that you know like traditional processes and procedures are being thrown out the window and we're trying to remake and find common ground and find a new process with how these are going um and, and, and it is a struggle, especially when a studio is like, well, we're making this theatrical only. And you're like, well, it should, they should all be this way. <laughs> and, and the problem is, is that because we've, you know, pushed back so many titles because of COVID, now we've just got an overabundance of titles and there's not just not enough screens to give each one of them justice for the amount of grossing that they're going to do. And then sacrifices will probably have to be made because uh, i mean in uh, october we have so many we have just so many good titles there's gonna be a whole bunch of good yeah, stuff and you <laughs> and yeah i could play them all individually on a single screen but that doesn't give me enough show times it doesn't utilize the seats enough it doesn't offer flexibility for audiences to come in it does nothing good for the theater and, and it all for the studio. And it if, also doesn't utilize all the money the studios are using on advertising that week. Right. If they're going to spend $30 million on advertising, $29 million of it is spent before the film is released. And then the second week, if it happens to be number one, it's like, let's buy a million dollars worth of ad spots to say we're number one. Yeah, to keep it going. But that's it. And then, But not four or five weeks later, they're still not advertising it. No. For theaters Short at of that like point. Avengers, Endgame, or yeah. Avatar. They're not advertising after the fact. You wouldn't assume that they are, and they're probably not. Where they, or the campaigns have really scaled back, yeah. and what is getting advertised now is the next thing. But it's just this pervasive, pervasive. What have you done for me lately? What are you doing for me right now? Why are you not doing for me? Like, why are you not doing this for me? And I just, 
I I was frustrated last week. I'm frustrated again this week. I've had so many of those conversations. Really? Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't tell. It just from every studio it at a certain point it's like wake I, up. Yeah, the reality is I can't do for everybody every week all the time. Yeah. I'm going and and you're not my overlords. Okay? My clients are my bosses. My overlords. <laughs> they're the overlords. Are, they're my overlords. <laughs> And they're the ones that I'm going to protect and yeah. and and make sure that their uh, success and that their butts and seats rates are through the roof and that we're gonna be flexible and utilize it. So, ugh, ugh, do you think it's just o- tough? Do you think October is going to be the learning period that the studios are finally going to recognize and then they'll no. figure out a better okay fine no no, no that has never been the case no, and will never be wishful thinking yeah. i know carry on <laughs> no that's, that's a wonderful thought because that's not their objective their objective yeah. Yeah. is protect themselves and their prop and and make as much money as they can from these movies and i get that that's their directive mm-hmm. that we are in a weird weird industry where we take lease somebody else's product and sell it sort of as our as our own so we could sell our own experience product and you know they they have every right to to tell us how and when and for how long and that we can utilize their product because we didn't make it we didn't we don't have any skin in the game on its production so we don't even market it we don't do we as theaters don't do any of that. We are just saying, hey, you have this great product. We'll showcase it for you. And that comes with rules and restrictions. And I get it. And I get the studios have just been through a pandemic. They're all corporate owned. They all have shareholders that want returns on their investment. So, so but luckily I, the theater skated by not having to go through a pandemic as well. Yeah. <laughs> they were the only industry not affected by COVID-19. <laughs> the only ones. <laughs> and... And so it's just this huge tug of war between what what makes sense for the theaters to run successful operations to utilize these pro- these products from the studios to enhance the experience in the theater for their customers and to get butts and seats and spend those dollar those concession dollars. The the theater has different objectives and the objectives are just more and more not aligning or or they're not becoming mutually beneficial. Like the studios aren't allowing the theaters to utilize and have flexibility to really showcase the product better. And they are just coming down more and more on like, you're going to do it our way or no way at all. Like we don't want your date at all because we have an alternative now. So the theater really lost a lot of their bargaining ability. Yeah. And that's hard, but they haven't lost so much that they're not needed anymore. I think it's all very apparent the theater theatrical experience is still very valuable mm-hmm. for that for the studio product. It's just that more and more they're just losing control about how they can showcase that value. And that's and that's tough. No yeah. longer are film reels padlocked with the secret code. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's still codes. <laughs> just not the same it's not yeah. in your yeah. hand you don't it's feel the padlock hand. yeah <laughs> you don't have to it's not oh, the same as typing on a keyboard open anything no. yeah. <laughs> oh. lift a lid yeah well speaking of lifting a lid uplifting we've got evan hansen this week yeah so we've got dear evan hansen <laughs> opening this week from universal and deadline projected it to have a 10 million dollar opening given it's thursday night uh preview grosses and Apparently there's that, that many angsty teens that are willing to really? see this. Yeah, I thought that was super optimistic. 
almost dare I say a hot take on in, Deadline's part? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the Heights, PG thirteen with Lin Manuel Miranda attached, who is coming off the success of Hamilton and has been making a name for himself. And oh, yeah. Moana, and yeah. it it opened to eleven point five million in summer when kids were out of school. Yeah, this and it, it didn't have any horrible things. And in this it. movie is it's PG thirteen also, but it's a tough sell. <laughs> I think it's a tougher sell for sure. Much tougher. In fact, I've had a few clients ask not to play it because of the teen suicide in it. Like, this pandemic was really hard, very, very hard on teens, and some of them didn't make it through. And those mm-hmm. communities are still feeling the effects of that. And so I, I get it. And so we we honored that, and we didn't even request it in some of these spots. And we got a little pushback, but that's okay. Uh, and, and on top of that, there seems to be a large outcry of the main actor being way too old for the role of a high school student. I find that that's crazy because haven't we all grown up with like 20 somethings playing high school students? Oh, it's, it... it's a normal thing. And I grew up with Where Power do... Rangers. The youngest one what? was 25. Why exactly. Do... Like, <laughs> I... Why do people today need like such an authentic experience that a 20 year old can't play a 16 year old? They're really not that far apart. I mean, <laughs> Because there's I so many starving 16-year-old actors out there that I don't, needed I don't the know. role. I don't know. I mean, I get it to an extent. Like, it's kind of, at a certain point, like, the line between, like, it being so apparent that can be jarring and can take you out of it. I just find it so... mustache. He's not, like... I, I don't know. Like, I, I get why they cast him in the first place. He was the guy who, like, wrote and starred in the Broadway musical to begin yeah. with. So, of course, you'd want to get him again. Um but it just makes me laugh like how many people have been crying out for it and they're not going to see it because of this i don't think so i it's actually yeah it's become it's weird a very how much big, of an uproar it is and like issue over this film i i just think that it's got a good name universal will market the crap out of it there's oh, they're yeah, they definitely yeah. really good about marketing they get a market across their whole company it's if anything, this this will do some business because the marketing will have gotten people out the first week. I just, I did ten million. I mean, maybe that's a fair. Maybe that's fair. I don't know. I just felt like that was a lot. I mean, I. It's like Ken said, like the most uplifting, happy musical by one of the biggest stars on the planet only grows to eleven million. Yeah, unless, I, I just don't see. <laughs> I just don't this, see this one getting close to that. Yeah, unless this has a cameo by Hugh Jackman in it, I think it's in trouble. <laughs> I, we were talking about it. I think only musicals starring Hugh Jackman work. I don't think anybody, <laughs> any movie going audience, wants to see a musical if it does not have Hugh Jackman in it. I've, I'm name, starting to agree. Name the only two that have done any business. <laughs> it is Les Mis and <laughs> Greatest Showman. Oh, Les Mis! Huh? I forgot about that one. Les yeah. Mis was huge, huge, and it was at Christmas. And I was like, no one's going to want to see this depressing piece of crap at Christmas because I don't like musicals. Huge. <laughs> I was like, why are crap. people doing this to themselves? <clears throat> Yeah, and meanwhile, Dear Evan Hansen is much more realistically depressing as compared to whatever time period depressing French Revolution. Was. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not as close to home as yeah. <laughs> the subject matter in Dear Evan Hansen. That's for sure. Yeah, and again, the but age it's not thing. as uplifting as Greatest Showman. So you got you got two ends of the spectrum on with Hugh Jackman's musical career. I, I guess the selling point is Hugh Jackman. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, hopefully it does do ten million. I think for how low our expectations are for this, that would be I, good. I do want it 
to do some business. I don't think I want to do $10 million worth of business because I'm running into a booking issue. If it does, if it does too much business, I'm going to have to hold it longer than I want to. And that'll take away from bond and venom screens. Yeah, exactly. That's that's my only issue. October is going to be so crowded that if dear Evan Hansen doesn't work, there's going to be other movies that are much more playable and possibly enjoyable. If it does, then I'm I'm getting a little tight, a little tight on those screen counts, a little unforeseen tightness going on. (laughs) Any uh, any other thoughts when it comes to this weekend or? Um, No, I think, you know, we're just, I think people are just really gearing up for Venom. I think Venom is going to be really big. It has such a short runtime. It's so well paced. 97 minutes, everybody. 97. You know how many show times you can get in 97 minutes? For a... Marvel yeah. superhero movie, ninety-seven minutes. Mm. I mean, Endgame Without was the fluff. Endgame it's just was down over, and gritty. Endgame was over three hours. <laughs> like people played it around the clock in large cities. I mean, yeah. twenty-four hours a day running shows. This you can play it fourteen times before lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on enough screens, yeah. you probably could. If you really want to, let's try it. In a big complex, uh, you only need like five screens uh, in two or three show times, and you've got ten shows right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 15 if you give them three so that if you started like nine oh god o'clock in the we're morning, doing the cody does oh math gosh, podcast yeah yeah let's move on before it gets out of hand <laughs> i don't want to see the calculators <laughs> and the speaker wait, wait till i tell you about faster. last duel <laughs> speaking of cody does math can we do uh clint eastwood does movies now oh yeah all right i'll yeah. give that one. I, that okay. was a thumbs up i will bow out of this conversation let you two gentlemen give me your reviews of cry okay. macho well, well we'll keep it short since the uh uh, box office just creeped over five million. <laughs> HBO Max release hurt this one definitely. I don't I, think it was HBO Max. Yeah, that's Ken. what I'm thinking. I really looked at that, and I, I don't believe this one was geared. I have to believe it hurt it. No, this, <laughs> As, one, this one's geared to an older demographic, mostly in the West and the Southwest. Apparently, I was, I thought definitely Mountain West, but Southwest. And, you know, it's just an older demographic. They're not, they don't have HBO Max. They're not looking for it there. They, I think they're just not going to the theater. And I wonder how many of them are still around to want to see a 90-year-old Clint Eastwood. I mean, his target audience has got to be aging with him. And is that what you mean and they're by probably still not, <laughs> yeah, they're probably not as lucky as he is to be fake riding horses at 90. So... You know, he did he, fake ride a horse. I think he, we <laughs> maybe have seen the effects of the pandemic in a different demographic, a different way. <laughs> Oof. All right, let's, okay, let's move hear, on from that. Let's hear uh, your dark review, Kyle. <laughs> Keep this train rolling. I'll be more uplifting because I thought this was a nice movie. Um, definitely much more down to earth, a little bit more melancholy for a Clint Eastwood directed, starred in movie, but... I think that was also kind of the point. It was kind of his reemergence of the cowboy genre that he's always been known for for so many years. It's what's made him a legend. But it also is kind of his way, at least how I saw it, for him to be like, you know, like I was the played the shtick of the macho cowboy loner type for so long. But don't let that persona, if you are like attached to that persona, affect you in your personal life. Like there's more to life than just you know, trying to be the loner, cool guy, cowboy motif. So I thought that worked well enough to get that across. Sometimes it was a little bit cheesy, but um, I don't know. It worked for me to where it was just a nice, um, more quieter story as compared to 
you know, other ones that are a bit more exciting or at least more dramatic as compared to this one. Yeah, this was definitely not an Unforgiven or Josie Wales or In the Line of Fire. Yeah. But it had, you know, a reasonable amount of action and interaction. And I say the same thing, not that I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really well done and and poignant for the people that appreciated appreciate Clint Eastwood as Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Like if you if you love any of his films, you will see parts of that character in this film yeah just, i mean just get, that touch where he is he's i mean he shows all the the standard clint eastwood emotions this was just a going away party for his it, character yeah you think it's his final film like that where he no. stars how in. could it no where he stars in not how, where he directs how could it not be <laughs> you, you think so that's he, what you got he was it? the oldest man in the world in <laughs> he looked like george burns he looked <laughs> He looked like uh, the the father from Grumpy Old Men. <laughs> he was one day on the beach away from being the Crypt Keeper. Like it was, he was so old. Like you hear Clint Eastwood and you like literally project a face from the 80s and 90s like onto his Harry. face. Yeah. yeah, you don't see it. And then all of a sudden, he like gets close to the camera and the 4K kicks in and you're like, ruh row. <laughs> see, I, I don't know. Like As much as he was being reflective on how long of a life he's had, I don't think he's going to be done when it comes to being in his own movies. I think he's like, until I get buried in the ground, I'm going to still I be think- in them. You can pry <laughs> that script from my cold, dead hands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I don't think he's done. I it makes it just wonder like at a certain age this I was I was talking to Ken about this in the car I made the a note that when you he could probably go longer because he's in um a job that's a creative job that mm-hmm. he obviously hires a whole staff of people to do all the heavy lifting for him it's not physically taxing although it's probably more physically taxing for most older people of that you know 80 to 90 year old range then so he's i'm not saying he's not in great shape i'm just saying physical physically taxing it's not very creative it keeps his mind going that's probably why he's able to do this for so long um i just wonder though at a certain point when enough is enough (laughs) like you just literally do it till you die or do you do swan son it off or do you have anything else in your life or is this it and if this is it that's fine i'm not making a judgment call on if this is it it's just do you think is it weird to see a 90 year old and have a love interest on screen (laughs) like it kind of well at a certain age where you're like "Mm, this isn't not gonna really happen the love interest was middle age but even still it was she, she looked was good. Not, she looked good. What do you think is a good age range? Like he's ninety. Even if he did somebody ten years younger, which is still. But she was like 50, 55. Yeah, she wasn't. But he's ninety. No, that's no, 30, I get it. No, no, that's I understand. Five years difference. Yeah, no, I get it. It was. Yeah, I was. So we don't know what else to say. To I that. was hopeful <laughs> that I, think, I just think he should stop starring in films. I was just hopeful that they would take. We're going to take it a step further, and we'd see some. Uh, Liver spots rubbing together, if you know what I mean. Mm. There'd be a lot. Some wrinkly skin yeah. laughing. I mean, I think Eastwood just still has it, and he wanted to prove that in this movie. I think he yeah. just needed to prove it. Yeah. And he got it. Oh. She was, uh, was she age appropriate? As age appropriate. Uh, adults, hey, she was fine. age appropriate for Hollywood, okay? 
<laughs> we don't cross that line here. I mean, there's no there's no beautiful women in their 70s getting a little closer to the 90 mark. Do you want me to say no out loud? <laughs> do you I bet there are. I bet there are. Move along. Yeah. What do you want to do yeah. math now? Let's go Hel- to that instead. Yeah. <laughs> Helen Mirren wasn't available to play the part of a Spanish-speaking Mexican woman. Oh, <laughs> so, all right. so that was it. She is beautiful, though. <laughs> yeah. she's, and she's sassy. We she have, still has it. Helen Mirren can still get it. There's the yeah. one and only example. All right. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> all right. So, what, Kyle, what else do we have in, um, the, in the realm of news now that we know Clint Eastwood made it through another film? Clint uh, Eastwood could get it. <laughs> We have um, kind of an interesting development when it comes to uh, the industry as a whole. Uh, The International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, um, who is basically a union group dedicated to those working behind the scenes of like uh, the the people who hold the grips or the, uh, you know, the food staff employees, Mm -hmm. the the really behind the scenes people that you never hear of. Uh, It's sounding like they're really trying to amp up their stake in the industry to where they want, you know, better pay for all the hours that they have, like better benefits most likely. And it's starting to have some interesting developments to where we're seeing that there's a possible strike about to happen. And something tells me that could be very problematic, not only for Hollywood, but also for, you know, theaters and even streaming services that Mm -hmm. especially nowadays, we need lots of content, not only for, um, one side of the theaters, but also just for streaming too. And I, I can't imagine that I could imagine like a strike happening, but I would think that Hollywood would make sure that that doesn't happen for too long because, you know, especially when they're trying so hard for streaming to be a thing uh, for themselves, you would think that they'd be like, okay, we can't have production being shut down again for all these things right after a pandemic. Oh no, I think they're like, screw it. We'll find somebody Everybody- else. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody that's in our industry remembers the writer's strike. Mm-hmm. And writers, these people are not. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> they're not they're not directly related to creating the content. Outside of the realm of the cinematographers, which how do they not have their own or a better union to fall into? Yeah. yeah. You would think they they shoot for people, so you would think they would be in SAG or SAG adjacent or something. They make the actors right. look pretty. Yeah, you would think there'd be something there versus, yeah, it's uh, cinematographers and gaffers and <laughs> yeah. wait, grips wait, 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 wait. and food service and the guy who fuels up the golf cart. The award-winning cinematographers are like, yeah. wait, why are you talking about me? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think there's just obviously a lot of upheaval in our industry. The ways that we have been conducting business on multiple levels not just distributing movies but how movies are even made financed all of that's been kind of an upheaval and just so much more so during the pandemic and now we're coming out of it and we're seeing that because of streaming streaming has just really amped up the chaos going on in our industry and streaming requires constant content creation just ram that content through make whatever you can it doesn't always have to be good it just has to be a lot because you're just constantly refreshing all these streaming services with new content so the so what the job used to be maybe creative maybe you go from job to job and there used to be maybe a smaller community where you could negotiate or you kind of knew somebody who knew somebody that you could get a better job at and that just 
was maybe more insulated, but now that they need so much production across the U.S. And it used to kind of always be concentrated in L.A. Now you've got these pockets of production coming up everywhere. Like Atlanta is becoming a huge place. And so you've just got not only are you separated now and segregated from your colleagues in the industry, they you're operating in states with different laws and stuff. And I think this idea of unionizing and trying to bring some standards to it all is not a terrible thing. And they are trying to recognize that they are still important cogs, even if they're small cogs yeah. in the production wheel. And that because production is ramped up so much, it's really ripe to abuse these lower level positions. And so they are starting to recognize that and maybe take a stand and strike. Although I just worry that obviously studios don't care. They just, they're on a time schedule. They just want to get content through and they'll find anybody to do that, sure. to do that work. So it's kind of hard. Yeah. I mean, everybody's yeah. Do you think feeling Disney this. is going to have trouble? They're just going to pull one of the Mickeys out of the park and make them hold a grip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Multitasking. Cinem- cinematographer is the tough one, but I don't want to say everything's digital now. <laughs> yeah. It can still make a big difference regardless if everything's oh, digital. I had I was I was going to ask this when we were talking about Cry Macho. Do you think they screw with Clint Eastwood being as old as he is and they still have like Oh, I think there's makeup on him for sure. Well, no, I mean, do you think there's film reel cameras still on set and they have like a digital camera inside of it? So he thinks it's actually playing (laughs) on film? He's like, this is what I'm used to. No, because he's a a director, he knows, but I get it. (laughs) He's just old enough. Pretty sure, yeah. I shot Unforgiven on film and we won an Academy oh, Award. Oh, I'm sure that that has been said. <laughs> he said that something. to Warner Bros. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that that has been said. I I imagine he knows that there's digital. <laughs> but hopefully, I wonder how well he could actually operate one of those cameras. <laughs> That would be like the no. fun thing no, to watch. That's where the people in these union come yeah. in. They go, here. Yeah, you would think, I've seen footage of directors on set and they'll look through the camera and they'll adjust some stuff and no he's oh, the yeah. director that's like asking bob chapik to push the button on a ride he has no idea uh he should <laughs> he should but he probably doesn't ask he has people ask, to do that yeah have him walk in and say hey can you check out this customer waiting in the food court line <laughs> that would no, be really funny that's to not watch. how that works <laughs> that'd be so funny to watch yeah. anyways i just imagine him trying to use the technology doesn't go over so well but i'm i'm afraid he's probably aware of it he's got like an iphone too mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well well we got on a silly subject but i am excited about last topic this week brand new animated super mario brothers movie they're I actually want, doing it i want live action no you don't i do no you don't i i love I love that live action one from the 90s. Weirdly, well, so does a lot of people now, yeah. but no, we don't want that again. Not now. I've always liked it. Well, okay. <laughs> Still a no for me. <laughs> My children didn't like it, but I liked it. Oh, gosh. You showed it to them? Of course. And they didn't I... have nightmares? No. I had I nightmares so. when I saw it when I was 20. <laughs> like, what are you... <laughs> Is it when she gets splattered against the wall and she's got a dragon skeleton? Oh, it's a, a all of it. No. I love that. But if you took the title off the film yeah and you said it now like there's a movie from the 90s that's starring bob hoskins john leguizamo and the bad guy is dennis hopper 
anybody would watch that. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but then you say it's a Super Mario Brothers movie, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what you're supposed to do is after they finish watching it, hear them say, that was kind of weird. And then you go, that was a Super Mario's movie. And then they would be like, what? They were plumbers. Yeah. I know, but you could have literally. And they went down pipes. Not. What not, is the problem Not here? said Super Mario Brothers at the beginning of the movie and nobody would have known. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Other than the fact that they like, had... Oh, their names are Mario and Luigi. That's weird. weird. That's kind of like Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. I bet they played the game when they were kids. What a coincidence. He's, oh. a, Ko- he's a King Koopa? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is fully animated. Yeah. All right. You've got Chris Pratt and uh, Charlie Day as Mario and Luigi. Because that's such a Mario and Luigi. Well, I actually think Charlie Day is pretty good. They have good comedic voices. The Chris Pratt one is kind of weird, but... Chris Pratt can't change his voice to not sound like anything other than Chris Pratt. Um, yeah. Until now, when he learns how to do an Italian, an offensive Italian <laughs> accent. The two big surprises, though, were Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, which is awesome. That, yeah, that one, one I can see. That, that one, one I, I was see. fine with. Yeah. And then Jack Black as Bowser. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they yes, got it. he does animate it better than oh, yeah. almost anybody He's now. He's got so much, you know skill in his voice yeah so that was that was a fun surprise to know jack black gets to go full villain powerful so from this announcement it's getting a lot of blowback online for you know not casting italian people in the role (laughs) even though it's only a voiceover and i get it and it's a japanese video game. and it's a japanese (laughs) video game you couldn't find any japanese italians out there that take on the, these roles uh, this is a cody exclusive yeah, kyle and ken yeah. are stepping back from no, your next I don't, opinion i don't have a horse in this race <laughs> i just really don't like crap chris pratt charlie day didn't seem bad but i think chris pratt's voice would be annoying on that i can only handle him in the lego movie doesn't mean he needs to be in anything else <laughs> did you like him in onward i forget she loved him in Onward. Oh, I did like him in Onward. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he, he's, he, he'll do fine in like voice acting. It's just like you wouldn't connect Chris Pratt with um, Mario, but I like guess. In like Onward, for some reason, that's the one. Where, and it really yeah. doesn't matter. Like he'll, he'll do fine. But in Onward, it's it, just he such sounded a crazy like list. Chris Pratt as a weird like yeah. elf creature thing. Yeah, that's the point. That's why they pay them millions of dollars but to sound I'm like themselves. But I'm expecting Mario to sound a certain way. And I don't know if Chris Pratt can pull that off. I don't even know if they're going to have the Italian accent. I don't know honest. if you're allowed to do that in 2021. <laughs> somebody's gonna cancel a digital video game i mean they almost <laughs> nearly did when this announcement came out they were like why couldn't it have been an italian person is this the battle we really need yeah. to have well, like out yeah. of everything in the 90s they got john leguizamo who i'm not sure is italian he's, he he's sounds spanish he's yeah hispanic. that's i was gonna so say that's yeah. close. i was gonna say we need uh some of the guys from the sopranos <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Get the kid who played young um, Andy yeah. Soprano. Make him Mario. Yeah, He'll Ray Liotta. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that's a movie I'll see. I'll see that movie. <laughs> Ray Liotta as a disgruntled smoking Luigi. Do you think they're like, we got two white guys that are not Italian to play it in the 90s. We could do it again. Sure. You think, sure. You think anybody from the original project, they let within 50 miles of this? <laughs> They're like, never again. They're like, oh, we're getting the voice cast together and they're getting their wish list together. Somebody writes John Leguizamo on the list and they throw him out of the building. They just burn the list. (laughs) We'll start over. Literally throw him out the 50th floor. Never remember. Um, 
this is coming from Illumination, the guys who made um, Despicable Me and the Sane franchise. And... They can't miss. Yeah. Yeah. They it, are I bet good. it'll be good. The animation. Well, let's just say the animation will be good on it. We'll see how the Quality. voice acting is. Yeah. <laughs> but, bump, bump, bump. But, it, but it's got all the good stars to where it'll have its recognition. Yeah. I'm just... what, whether you like it or not, yeah. <laughs> you'll recognize them. I'm just glad to see it's not one name. Like it's not one person and then everything else it's, yeah you know, the names get bigger and more interesting and, and Jenny Slate's not in it. So thank God <laughs> I cannot listen to her voice in an animated film for one more second. What other film? Oh, Sacred Life of Pets. She it seems like she's in everything. I feel like I really? hear her voice in my sleep. <laughs> Is it just because wow, it's so high and it, yeah. nasally kind of? drives me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't worry. No Jenny Slate <laughs> in this movie. At least not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I did not think this would be a fight that you would want to battle, but oh, okay. <laughs> could you make me rewatch Venom One and she's in oh, it? it was, oh, I forgot yeah. she was oh, I rolled my eyes. I did. I rewatched it and I still enjoyed it. I had it. to roll my eyes so hard every time she talked. She plays a scientist. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've seen her in like Parks and Rec, you're just like, what are you doing no, here? No, if you if you see her pretend to be a scientist, you're like, why are you here? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Too. That's fair. That one's fair. <laughs> but we're excited for Venom 2 next week, and Adam's Family 2, and I'm, Many Saints of Newark. I'm super excited for Venom, actually. I'm just yeah. excited for October. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I say that. I haven't got to see Shang-Chi or Free Guy yet, and I was really excited for those. But yeah. You should see Free Guy. I think you'd really like it. But we can get Showtimes up, tickets sold for everything through 10-8. Yep. So. Yep. Tickets are on sale now for, the, for those weeks. and All the... Uh, I don't know if too many consumers are buying advanced tickets anymore like i don't know if that's a a a thing that you can really super gauge you can kind of tell some interest from it but um i think more people are buying tickets very close to opening weekend so if you've opened it up three days before and you don't have a lot i wouldn't worry about that right now that's very common across the board is that advanced tickets are the pre-sales are a lot slower than they were pre-pandemic. Yeah, people aren't looking as far into the future as you may think. No, no, not right now. No, I'm I... planning on losing my sense of taste anytime now. <laughs> 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 Just waiting for it to happen. Do you have a like a get healthy, get skinny plan for when that happens? Like, I'm not going to be worried too much about I have, battling that. I literally have a bottle of Tabasco sauce next to my bed that I like put on my tongue every morning In- just to make sure. That's your test? Yeah. <laughs> I feel alive. Okay. (laughs) Not today, COVID. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Not today, Rona. (laughs) All right, send us out, Kyle. All right. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Off the Break podcast. You can find us on all podcast platforms and over at silverscreeninsider.com, where you can find all of the accurate and updated film information for all the upcoming releases and marketing materials that you can use for your social media promotions. Have a great weekend, guys. I'm so excited. Big grosses, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.